Christian. And Pastor Lenny. Go ahead, Naga. All right. And uh, for the next three Sundays, I will be sharing from the Word of God here on a series called Be Encouraged, right? From the book of 2 Timothy. Now, yesterday I had a really wonderful time with, some, with most of you brothers and sisters who uh, greeted me and feted me to a nice uh, picnic. And uh, as I was asking the Lord, what should I tell them? What should be a short message that I can give my brothers and sisters? And the Lord just led me uh, to this verse. In 1 Corinthians chapter 14. Now, those who uh, brought their Bibles, can you raise your Bibles? Okay. All right. How about the rest? Where are your Bibles? Where are your swords? All right. Okay. Uh, next week, okay, I'm going to ask you again. Show me your sword. All right. All right. What then shall we say, brothers, when you come together... Everyone has a hymn or a word of instruction, a revelation, a tongue, or an interpretation. And all of these must be done for what? For the strengthening of the church. So whatever we do, whether it's those mundane things like going out on a picnic and eating together, the Word of God says that all of this must be done for the purpose of strengthening the church. And so when I, before I, I prayed for the food, I also told them, I have a birthday wish for each one of you, for the church. And it's on, also on 1 Corinthians chapter 16. And this will be basically the summary of my message today. Paul writes, be on your guard, stand firm in the faith. Be men of courage. Be strong. And do everything in love. Now, thank you for all of you who greeted me. Those of you who sent uh, gifts. Uh, but today, I want to do something different. Okay? Can I ask uh, a small favor from each one of you? Please say yes. yes. Okay. Yes, huh? Okay. I want all of you to stand up. Okay? Gather your belongings. Okay? Gather your belongings because this is what we're going to do. Okay? Let me close my eyes. Okay? Because every Sunday since three years ago, people like to sit in their favorite chair. Doggy sits there, Lambert sits there, Bing sits there, Mary sits there. I know you are always in your same position. Now, can you look at your chair and see if the name is there? It is not, right? Okay. So what we're going to do is we're going to do uh, a shuffle, okay? So everyone who is sitting in the same place, you have to move here in the center. Everyone has to go in this center row. Okay? If you don't fit here, okay, 
some should stay here. Don't, don't be afraid. My, my saliva is not far-reaching. All right. Here. Uh, Kuya Larry, Ate Violeta, dito po kayo. Ay, hindi pwede. Oh, sige. Exempted. Okay. Okay, I want this row full. Okay? So, if you see empty chairs, you're not pleasing me. You're not obeying me. Please. Fill this, fill this row. Marvin, come on. Okay. Let's. Okay. So, do you have a better view of my head? You see something different, right? You, you have a different neighbor. Okay. The meaning of this will be clear to you later. Okay. All right. Uh, likes, please, or, or why don't you bring out your shades, okay? Okay, our, our series is on still uh, Second Timothy. If you recall, first time I preached last uh, June, I told you a little bit about this guy, not very well known. Kuyamar is still there. Can you check your, your chair if you have your name there? No, 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 no. Dito na lang kayo, please. Kasi... Alright. So this guy is... Uh, name is Onesophorus. He became very dear to the Apostle Paul. Because he was an encourager to the Apostle Paul during uh, Paul's darkest days when he was in prison. And we see that, just to review, no? what are those marks of an encourager? This guy was daring or determined to look for the Apostle Paul, even if it took him a long time. He was determined to look for him. And he dared love him unconditionally. Even if Paul was not popular anymore, even if he could not get any benefit or publicity out of the Apostle Paul. And he also encouraged Paul by his practical ways of helping the Apostle Paul. And so as we, we look into this book, okay, we will now look at what are those models, what are those everyday images of people or occupations that can help us become stronger in our walk with the Lord. Okay? Now, maybe some of you came to know the Lord in your life, like me, when I was young, I had such a a uh, tremendous fear of death. I, want, I, I said, I don't want to go to a place that I don't know where it is. And 
you know, that's hell, right? So I want, I want to be assured of my salvation. And so when I, I found out about Jesus Christ and what he'd offered, I said, yes, I, I want him. I want him to, to rescue me. I want him to be my Savior and my Lord. How about the rest of you? How did you come to know the Lord? What was the motivation deep inside? Maybe some of you were looking for a purpose in life. They were wondering, why am I here? Is there purpose in life? And Jesus provided the answer. Maybe some of you were hurting, were depressed. And you came to Jesus because he said, Come to me, all you who are, are heavy laden and those who are weary and tired, and I will give you rest. And that's why you came to Jesus. Maybe some of you heard those teaching on the TV about health and wealth that God will give to those who follow Jesus. Maybe that's how you came to know about Jesus. Regardless of the, the motivation when you came to Jesus, now that you're in Jesus, were you aware that the Christian life was not going to be easy? I certainly, I didn't think it was going to be this hard. But here, the Word of God says, don't be surprised. If those, if when you become a follower of Christ, you're persecuted or you're misunderstood, because it's going to be tough. The Christian life is not a bed of roses. And as we move on in our lives, we see that there are many things that are so hard to understand. So difficult to comprehend why these things are happening. And I submit to you, brothers and sisters, that the Word of God says that we are soldiers. That we are in a battle. That we are in a war zone. The problem with many of us is we think that, and Satan wants us to believe this, is number one, is that there is no Satan. There is no devil. That's the first lie he wants you to believe. And the second lie he wants you to believe is that, that, there, that you are in actually in peace time. Peace time. No more war. But there is a war that's going on. And it's hard. You know why? Three things why it's hard to be a believer. Number one is because there's something in you, even if you become a believer in Christ, it's called the flesh. It's called the old nature. Okay? That is battling your new nature, your new heart. Okay? It's like you know, on a Sunday, when you wake up, you wake up at 9 o'clock, and then you 
turn on the TV, and then it feels like, oh, it's nice to lounge around and watch TV, then to dress up and go to church. Right? Or don't you notice that on a Sunday morning, that's when, you know, you probably have some arguments or fights with your spouse? And those things are manifestation of the struggle that goes on inside of us. You see, the Word of God teaches that previously, before you came to Christ, you were at enmity with God. There was a war between you and God, which you weren't aware of. But when you became a believer, you came into His side. You became part of the family of God. However, this war that, is being, that we are fighting is like a civil war. It's a war within you. It's not a war between me and God or you and God. It's our fleshly nature, carnal nature, and our new nature that are fighting against each other. That's why it's hard to be a, a believer. It's hard to be a Christian. But thankfully, God has supplied us with teaching about how we are to conduct ourselves, how we are to fight the good fight. So that's one. Then the second thing is, of course, the world. The world is opposed to Christian principles and beliefs. Just recently on the news, you saw that in Egypt, where there's a bitter civil war going on, a lot of these um, terrorists from the other side were burning Christian houses of worship and killing Christians. And then finally, of course, who is directing all of this? And today I want to submit that it is the enemy, Satan. Now, as I was preparing this message, it was difficult. Not because of the content, but more because of the spiritual warfare that was being unleashed on me. It wasn't easy because Satan knows that when his true nature and his schemes are exposed, okay, he will be less effective in our life. So I was, you know, struggling. I, I even had like some physical ailments or some, you know, mind issues that I was struggling with because I was going to expose who he is. So my, my sermon today will be a two-part sermon. Okay? It might take a little longer, but I hope, you know, I promise it will be worth it. Okay? So on the first part, we'll talk about who, he, who is Satan? What are his schemes? And then the second part will be what if, when he has attacked us, how are we to respond? Okay? And God is using those times when he attacks us because God will not allow 
attack without him giving permission so that his purpose or purposes would be accomplished. Okay? But we look at a story of Jesus training his disciples okay, and how they encountered a lot of fear and how God responded to the situation. Okay. So, uh, given that, let us uh, rise and let us read our text for today. 2 Timothy chapter 2, verses 1 to 10. Okay? Okay. Let's all stand. You then, my, my son, can we uh, all read this together? You then, my son, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. And the things you heard me say in the presence of many witnesses and trust to reliable people who will also be qualified to teach others. Join me in suffering like a good soldier of Christ Jesus. No one serving as a soldier gets entangled in civilian affairs, but rather tries to please his commanding officer. Similarly, anyone who competes as an athlete does not receive the victor's crown, except by competing according to the rules. The hard-working farmer should be first to receive a share of the crops. Reflect on what I am saying, for the Lord will give you insight into all this. Remember Jesus Christ, raised from the dead, descended from David. This is my gospel, for which I am suffering even to the point of being chained like a criminal. But God's word is not chained. Therefore, I endure everything for the sake of the elect. They too may obtain the salvation that is in Christ Jesus with eternal glory. Amen. Let's be seated. So the first thing we as believers should know is who is our enemy? Our enemy is not your brother or your sister. Okay? Bible clearly teaches in Ephesians, for we wrestle not against principalities and powers. Okay? We wrestle against them, okay? not against flesh and blood. These are, human, uh, these are spiritual demons that Satan has unleashed to this world. So, let's get to know our real enemy, uh, A, okay? Uh, take a look at this. Uh, keep going, the letter A. Okay. There's a slide that says A, okay, as in Sesame Street, A. Okay, go. Adversary, okay, by the name Satan, okay, not Nathan, okay, Nathan is gift. Satan, okay, Satan is adversary or enemy. He's the enemy of God. Okay, but the good news is he is no match to God. Amen. It's no match. He is not omniscient, doesn't know everything. He's not all-powerful. Okay? But he has some powers. And to think that, you know, that we, if you believe that you can just bind Satan, 
sorry brother or sister. There's no such thing as binding Satan in the Bible. Because Satan will eat you for breakfast. Okay? If you try to oppose him with your own human strength. Okay? So knowing who Satan is, he's the enemy of God. He used to be okay, a high-ranking archangel doing the worship in heaven. But because of his pride, okay, he, he wanted to be like God. God judged him. And about a third of the angels joined him in the rebellion. And they were kicked out of heaven. Okay. So what else? He is not only your adversary, he's also your accuser. He'll tell you lies. He'll tell you, as a believer, he says, you, you know, you did this when you were younger. You don't deserve God. He doesn't like you. Okay? If you hear those voices in your head, those are the voices of the enemy accusing you. Okay? Those, your past sins, he wants to bring it back to your memory Okay, so that you will be away from God. So that you will be far away from God. Okay? But the Word of God says that all of your sins, past, present, and future, are forgiven in Jesus Christ. Isn't that the good news? Huh? Okay. Now, T. What do you think T is? T is for? What does he do? He tempts. He tempts you. He tempts you to do things your way apart from God's way. Okay? If you look at the, the Ten Commandments, let's say, do not steal, for example. Now, why, why, do, why do people steal? Because of their lack, right? Some of them steal because they don't have money, they don't have food, but some of them just shoplift because they want some kicks, right? But for those who steal, they're basically saying, I have to do it my way. I cannot trust God to provide for my needs. Say, what about do not commit adultery? You're married. Married for many years. And Satan is putting these thoughts into your mind. Oh, the, 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 the woman or the man you married is not the perfect one for you. I have someone for you. Look there in your office. She's staring at you. She thinks you're a macho man. So the temptation is saying, God, I don't trust you because you didn't give me the best. You, you gave me a reject. So all of this, if you look at all the Ten Commandments, Satan is telling you, do it your way. 
God doesn't care for you. You do it your way. It's a temptation to act away from God's best. But we know that it's a lie. Okay, now, the letter D. There's a lot. There's a lot in letter D. Okay. Number one, he divides. Satan is a master in dividing the church. He wants brothers and sisters to disagree on many matters, especially during business meetings. Okay, now, let me have a word regarding business meetings. I'm not a big fan of business meetings, especially if your business meetings are full but your prayer meetings are empty. You know why? Because Satan is smart. Sometimes have we forgotten that during worship service, we read God's Word, right? We allow God to speak to us through His Word. But somehow, when we come to a business meeting without our hearts being prepared and our wills subject to the will of God, this is thrown away. And another book replaces it. It's called The Robert's Rules of Order. But sad to say that Robert did not die for his church. It's only Jesus who died for his church. So, what do we do if business meetings are necessary? Number one, let me give you a few pointers. Number one, I guess it's best if you don't call it business meetings. Call them family meetings. Call them member meetings or a church meeting. Because when you call it business meeting, it seems as if that the business that we're doing here at this time is not the business of God, but our own business. And of course, as I mentioned earlier, we need, before we come together in this family or member or church meeting, we need to discern the will of God. And the way we do it is through both corporate prayer and through the church and through each individual member praying about it. And when you come to a business meeting, of course there will be, or, or, or a church meeting, always using that word, there will be a time when there will be a, a voting. Okay. For those who say yes, raise their hand. Those who say no. Okay. Now, this is just a, a suggestion. Before you do 
come out with a vote. Ask each congregation member, say this. If you believe that this is God's will for us to blank, 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 fill in the blanks, say yes. Okay? If you do not believe this is God's will, say no. Okay? Always thinking that it is the will of God that we should be doing. Because I've seen not only here, in other churches, wherein these meetings get out of control because they are carnal believers who just want to speak whatever comes to their head to the detriment of people, even if it hurts other people. So my prayer is that when you come together, or before you come together, you would have spent a lot of time in deep prayer asking God if it is His will. All right. Divide. Satan divides. He discourages. He hinders you from doing the work of God. He gives you reasons not to continue in the work. Of course, he deceives. He's a liar. That's what God had, uh, Jesus had already told his apostles, that he is a deceiver, he's a killer, he destroys. And the last one, he distracts. Okay? So that's a lot. A lot of these are his schemes. This is how he operates. I. What do you think I is? I stands for... He's an intruder. Not only is he an intruder, he is... He, his forte is isolation. Okay, let me explain that a bit. Do you, do you remember when uh, Adam and Eve sinned against God? He, they partook of the, the forbidden fruit. And what was their reaction? They hid from God. And God had to ask, where are you, Adam? Of course, of course God knew where they were. But the question was really meant for Adam to think, why am I hiding? What am I hiding about? Who am I hiding from? So this is the, a, a, a tactic or a strategy of Satan that he wants you, once you've sinned against someone, to go away, to retreat, not to answer your phone, not to communicate to those who care. Because he wants you to believe that you're alone and nobody cares for you. Okay? So please, when you see that tactic happen to you, okay, that attack, remember, 
God doesn't want you to be isolated. He wants you to be in community with your brother and your sister. Okay, C. C is condemn. In Romans, it reads, for there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Jesus Christ will never condemn you. But it is Satan who is condemning you and saying, you're not worth it. You're not a good Christian. Okay, so, just so that you'll remember, okay, look at all these from the A, D, D, I, C, T. What does it, what does it spell? Addict. He wants, Satan wants to neutralize you so you can be ineffective. And that you cannot be victorious in your life, in your Christian walk. So now that we know his devices, who he is, his tactics, his schemes. Now I want to encourage you. How do we respond? Next slide, please. Next one. Yeah. Right. This is where we'll spend a little time. In 1 Peter chapter 5, if you have your Bibles, turn to that. Starting in verse 7. Cast all your anxiety on Him, meaning on Jesus, on, in God, because He cares for you. In verse 8, be self-controlled and alert. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. Okay? Now, how do we withstand his attack? It says here in verse 9, resist him standing firm in the faith. Because you know that your brothers throughout the world are undergoing the same kind of suffering. Okay? First is, says here, be controlled and alert. Meaning, you've got to be always on your guard against the attack. Be aware. Okay? Don't be sleeping like you're doing right now. Some of you. Be alert. Know that he is looking for someone to devour. So that your testimony okay, will be shot, will be, will be poor. He wants you to fall. Because you are effective in the army of God. You're a soldier. So we are to be alert. We are to resist him. Okay? In verse 9, it says resist him. Okay? Problem with many of us is we don't resist. 
We just uh, lie down and say, I surrender. Hindi ko kaya to. And then, last and but not the least, we are to pray. When the attack is there, we need to pray. And do you know how, how Jesus responded to the lies, to the, the temptation of Satan? What did he do? He quoted scripture. He quoted the word of God. He quoted truth. And that's the way. That's the way to stand firm and resist the enemy. You, you don't bind Satan. There is no magic formula. You just tell him, Satan, I'm a child of God. Okay? I'm not, I'm not uh, bowing to this temptation. I am choosing by faith to do what God wants me to do. All right. Now, this is the exciting part of the message. If you will, let's uh, read Mark 6. Now this, I want to, to show you the journey. The journey that Jesus put his disciples upon. How he trained his disciples. Okay? So, if you will, it's not in Mark Oh, it's in Mark, but in an earlier chapter. Mark chapter... Okay, Mark chapter 4 says that one evening, he said to his disciples, let us go over to the other side. Leaving the crowd behind, they took him along just as he was in the boat. Okay, there were other boats with him. A furious squall came up and the waves broke over the boat so that it was nearly swamped. Jesus was in the stern, sleeping on a cushion. The disciples woke him up and said to him, Teacher, don't you care if we drown? He got up, rebuked the waves, the wind, and said to the waves, Quiet, be still. And the wind died down and he, it was completely calm. And he said to his disciples, why are you so afraid? Do you still have no faith? They were terrified and asked each other, Who is this? Even the wind and the waves obey him. Okay? This is just a, an introduction so that you can appreciate how Jesus is taking his disciples to a deeper level of faith and obedience uh, to him. Okay? So, that's the first time that there's an incident where they were on a boat. Jesus was with them on the same boat. They had this large, uh, very violent storm. They were afraid. They thought they were going to die. Jesus was there, sleeping like a baby. Wake him up. He performs a miracle. The winds died and the waves died down, and they are safe. Okay? Now, if you move to the next chapter of Mark, in chapter 5, or rather chapter 6, in verse 30, Jesus is now training his disciples again. 
through the feeding of the 5,000. Okay? If you see, if you look at this, the apostles were telling Jesus, Jesus, there are too many people here. We can't feed them. Tell them to go, to go home or find food for themselves. We can't do it. And Jesus asked, what do you have? How many loaves do you have? Look and see. And they found out, they said, they, we have five and two fish. So what happens? Jesus directs them, the people, to sit down on the grass, and then he takes you know, groups of hundreds and fifties, and then the five loaves and the two fish. I gave it to you, to you. You go around, it's multiplying. Everyone, 5,000 are fed. Okay? So I trained you. I trained you that you will be doing it, that you'll be a partner in my ministry. Okay? Now let's see what happens in, in Mark 6. So while this was happening, so the, the, the 5,000 go away, they're happy. Okay? The, the disciples are happy. They have a, 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 a high in ministry. Okay? High zila. They have great feeling. Now, what happens next? Okay, let's look at Mark 6. Immediately, Jesus made his disciples get into the boat. This is verse 45. Okay, this is another incident, not the same one. He made his disciples get into the boat and go ahead of him to Bethsaida while he dismissed the crowd. Next verse. After leaving them, he went up on a mountainside to pray. Later that night, the boat was in the middle of the lake and he was alone on land. 48. He saw that the disciples straining at the oars because the wind was against them. Shortly before dawn, he went out to them, walking on the lake. He was about to pass by them. But when they saw him walking on the lake, they thought he was a ghost. And so they cried out because they all saw him and were terrified. Immediately he spoke to them and said, Take courage. It is I. Don't be afraid. Then he climbed into the boat with them. And the wind died down. They were completely amazed. Take note of this comment, verse 42. For they had not understood about the loaves. Their hearts were hardened. Now, if you look at why would Jesus send them out on their own? And what was Jesus doing up in the, in the mountain praying? Let me submit to you that Jesus had a plan. His plan was to train them, even if he was not there. Remember the first time Jesus was there, sleeping on the boat, and this uh, incident, these waves 
happened, and Jesus calmed them. But this time, the second time, Jesus was not there. He was in the mountain praying. What could he have been praying for? He was praying for his disciples. He was interceding for them that they would not lose hope, that they would be strong, they would be courageous, that they would learn from the miracle of the feeding of the 5,000. Okay, what did they learn? Let me submit to you the first slide. Is God's plan is perfect. God's plan is perfect. Even if we don't understand it, okay, things that happen in our lives, God, because He is a good God, will always have plans that are good for you, not to harm you. Okay? In Jeremiah, it says, I know the plans I have for you. Good plans. Good plans for the future. Plans to bless you. Okay, so, God's plan is perfect. Second, God is always on time. Okay? God is never early, never late, always on time. Do you remember, if you look at our, 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 the Old Testament, do you know how long Abraham and Sarah waited to have their own child? They thought they could do it their way when Ishmael was born. Ishmael was not the son of promise. Ishmael was the son of Abraham with the slave girl, not with Sarah. That was not God's plan. God's plan was Abraham to have a child with Sarah. So they waited for the promise. It took another 15 years before Isaac was born. Do you know how long the Israelites were in Egypt? 400 years. They were groaning. They thought that God had forgotten them. Do you know how long Joseph was in prison? For supposedly raping Potiphar's wife? An injustice? Almost 17 years. So, when this was happening, okay, the apostles, disciples were on the boat. You know how long? It says here, it was about the fourth watch of the night when Jesus went out to them. Okay, fourth watch of the night, okay, it's because uh, during, during those times, they divided uh, the hours by threes. Okay, so the first, first watch is 6 to 9 p.m., second, 9 to 12, 12 to 3, and 3 to 6. So Jesus came out to them between 3 a.m. to 6 a.m. Now, how long have they been straining 
on the oars. Maybe four, five, six hours. Okay. So, Jesus was there on the mountain praying for them, interceding that they will be strong, that they will pass the test. Okay? The verse says, He was about to pass by them. So, Jesus was walking on the lake. So, okay, just to give a sense, who here likes to ride roller coasters? Wow, okay. Brave, a lot of brave people. Have you, what's the scariest uh, ride you've, you've made in your life? Yeah, which kind? Space Mountain? Is there anything uh, more scarier than Space Mountain? All right. Okay. Okay. Come here. Are you scared of? Uh, oh, you like you like you like it. Come here. <laughs> okay. So imagine you like going up to uh, these rides. Yeah, I want to be at the. Okay. Front. Okay. So you, what time does it open? 10 a.m. Right? Or 9 a.m. Yeah, yeah, oh, so you get there. Five minutes or 30 minutes ahead of the crowd, and you are there already lined up. Okay? Okay, so excited. And so, this is your first time, and then you try it. Okay? And you don't say, Space Mountain is dark, right? It's dark. You can't see anything. Okay? And so, the ride goes, okay, for about how long? Two minutes? Two minutes, Vera. So you're not seeing anything. All the thing, all it's good if you didn't have breakfast. <laughs> <laughs> so you go, you go around, round and round and round and round, <laughs> and then you, you're pulled back again, <laughs> up and down, and then you ride it again. You go. You said it is so nice. You'll do it again. Okay. <laughs> you keep doing it until. Five hours, what do you think happens? You feel dizzy. Yeah, I felt dizzy. You guys sit down. <laughs> Let's give him a good uh, volunteer. What I'm saying is the disciples were really so scared. Out of their wits, we're going to die. Where is Jesus? He should have been with us. Doesn't he care for us? So what do they see? When, see, when someone is walking on the water, they think it's a ghost. Sometimes when you are so full of fear, the fears are magnified many times over. You see, you think you see, you're seeing a ghost. But it's not the reality. Your mind and your emotions are playing tricks on you. So you begin to focus on those circumstances. Instead of focusing on God. Instead of, you know, trusting in His plan and His perfect timing. It says here that around that 
times between 3 a.m. to 6 a.m., Jesus starts to walk. And he says, the plan of Jesus was he was about to pass by them. Why? Because Jesus wanted them to be strong and to handle it by themselves. Because he was training them to be strong and do it on their own, you know, uh, realize that they could rely on him. So they saw what they thought was a ghost. They were terrified. So what does Jesus say? He goes to them, says, take courage. It is I. Don't be afraid. The wind died down. They were completely amazed. For they had not understood about the loaves. Their hearts were hardened. Next slide. Why does God allow testings? Why? No, no. Before that. It says, God allows testings to reveal our weaknesses and to build our faith. What are you relying on? What is this Weakness that God is trying to expose in your personal life. That's why He's allowing trials. Is He trying to revitalize and shake up your prayer life? That you will begin to trust in prayer because that's the way Jesus builds the church? Or will you concentrate on doing things or schemings your way, thinking that you're smart, that you can do it by your own human strength. Remember, this is Jesus' church. His ways of doing things are not our ways. So, going back all the way to the Old Testament, when Moses and the Israelites were in the desert. God had a plan. Sabi niya, I allowed, God said, I allowed this to test your hearts and to humble you. The events that happened to you and to, to our church may at, sometimes feel that God is not around, that He doesn't care. But he has a perfect plan. He is always on time. He will send someone, his messenger, to give a word of comfort and shake you out of your stupor. That's why I ask you to move around. Because sometimes you don't see how God is moving. If you just Okay, I'm going, look, look at what he said here. For they had not, when the apostles saw the miracle, they had not understood about the loaves, for their hearts were hardened. They did not, the disciples did not understood, understand that they were partners of Christ, that they were being trained to trust in him. 
Their hearts were hardened. You know, it can happen to me. If it can happen to a pastor, to someone who, who, who wants to dedicate his life to serving God, it can happen to you. Many times, sometimes in my life, in, in the past year, my prayer life was dry. My devotional time was dry. He has to shake me up. He had to send trials in my life. If that's the way, you know, God gets our attention. Praise be to God. Huh? And so, do you think the disciples became stronger after this? Maybe a bit. But their hearts, it says here, their hearts were hardened. Sometimes we go, come to church out of obligation. Not because we enjoy it. Not because we're looking forward to hearing the message of God. Not because we want to fellowship and to build up one another, but because we like the lechon that's going to be served. Sometimes we can go and play and lead the worship, ah, but it becomes mechanical. It doesn't come from the heart. God doesn't like that. He wants you to be fully sold to Him, that you will see His awe, that you, every time you step here and sing for Him, you really mean it. You really are declaring who God is. And so, as I close this message, I want us to, to sing a song that is based from Isaiah. Okay. Before we, I ask Bok and Molen to sing this love song. Remember, there is a promise in 1 Corinthians. Next slide. Chapter 10, verse 13. It reads, no testing, no trial has overtaken you that is not common to everyone. For God is faithful. Tapat ang Diyos. He will, this is God's church. He will not allow it to sink. And He will not let you be tested beyond your strength. But with the testing, He will also provide the way out so that you may be able to endure it. Church, God is in control. No matter how the waves are trying to move us, and make us scared. You rest upon the knowledge that Jesus is always interceding for you. He prayed for his disciples in the mountain. 
He is praying for you now that we will all pass the test. will make us stronger. That we will rely on Him instead of our own strength. Church, I like this beautiful promise in Isaiah chapter 49. Turn, turn with me there. Isaiah 49, verses 15 and 16. Okay. When Isaiah was writing the, these words being dictated, being given to him by the Lord, the Israelites were discouraged. They were saying, The Lord has forsaken me. The Lord has forgotten me. Okay? But look at what God says in verse 15. Can a mother forget the baby? at her breast and have no compassion on the child she has born. Though she may forget, I will not forget you. See, I have engraved you on the palms of my hands. Your walls are ever before me. He's saying, here, that if God had some literal, physical hands, He has engraved you and me here. Because He, he sees us. He cares for us. See? It's not on the back. It's on the palm of His hands. Because He sees you. And He cares for you. I want us to rise and we will sing a song based on Isaiah 49 verses 15 and 16. It's a popular Filipino song. Hindi kita malilimutan. And as you sing this, believe in your heart that God is the one serenading you with this love song. Okay? Shall we... Are you you're ready? Yes, yes, okay. Yes. Let us personalize this. Okay? As you, as you sing it, make your spirit believe that it is God who is speaking to you through this promise.
kaukit magpakailanman sa aking palad ang iyong pangalan malilimutan ba ng ina ang sa kanya sanggol sa kanyang sinapupunan paano niya matatalikdan ngunit kahit na malimutan na strong and courageous. Do not be afraid or terrified because of them. For the Lord your God goes with you. He will never leave you nor forsake you. And Paul testifies and said, For I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future nor any powers, neither height nor depth nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Shall we pray? 
Father, as we bind our and lock our hands together, it is a symbol, Lord, that we trust you in your plan. It is an amazing plan, Lord, that sometimes we cannot fathom. But, Lord, you reveal it to us one day at a time. You ask us, Lord, for faith to trust you. Thank you, Lord, for your work. Because we see that prime example, Lord, of how you work. You move us steadily, building our faith. We will not allow us to be broken because you care for us. So, Lord, as we do this, we covenant with you. Lord, that we will not speak ill against each other. That when we do so, we hurt you. Because you are the head of this church. We are the body. Lord, may we trust and obey our leaders. May we submit to them because they know what's best for our spiritual health. Lord, may we be on our guard against temptation. May we stand firm in the faith. May we be men and women of courage. And may we be strong and above all, may we do everything we love. In Jesus' name, and all God's people said, Amen. Amen.